Hello, this is Mitch Merkin with VA Research Communications. Welcome to Voices of VA Research. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Ann Elizabeth Montgomery on the topic of veteran homelessness. Dr. Montgomery is at the Birmingham VA Medical Center and the University of Alabama at Birmingham. She's been an investigator with VA's National Center on Homelessness Among Veterans since the start of that program in 2009. Between 2012 and 2016, she was also an investigator with the VA Center for Health Equity Research and Promotion. Prior to her VA career, she had served as a volunteer at a homeless shelter and a domestic violence center and worked at the New York City Department of Homeless Services. Her educational background is in social work, public policy, and public health. She holds degrees from the University of Alabama at Birmingham, Columbia University, and Boston College. I'm going to talk with Ann Elizabeth Montgomery about some of her recent work on homelessness among veterans, particularly a study that came out in January 2019 that was titled Veterans Assignment to Single Site versus Scattered Site Permanent Supportive Housing. Ann Elizabeth, welcome to Voices of VA Research. Thanks for having me. Nowadays, when we talk about housing, permanent housing for uh, transitioning uh, homeless veterans to some form of permanent housing, I know a big part of that uh, with the veteran population is what's called the HUD-VASH uh, program, and it's an acronym, stands for uh, Housing and Urban Development, uh, hyphen VA Supported Housing, HUD-VASH. And if you could, just in a nutshell, um, tell us a little about that program, what it aims to do, how long it's been around, and, and generally whether it's regarded as an effective uh, program for this population of veterans. Okay, um, so HUD-VASH has actually been around um, since the 90s, but very, there are very few vouchers then, um, and it's really ramped up since about 2008. So my numbers may not be exact, but they're probably between 90,000, 95,000 vouchers that are funded throughout the country. So basically what HUD-VASH does is HUD um, provides housing choice vouchers what we used to call Section 8 vouchers, um, and the VA provides supportive services and case management and, um, you know, health care, all sorts of um, other services for veterans. So that's how it becomes permanent supportive housing. So um, the voucher is permanent, and veterans either can take can take that voucher and look for a private market, you know, rental apartment, what we call scattered site apartments um, that are just located in the community. Um, and basically, they only have to pay a third of their income toward rent. The voucher pays for the rest of it. They also, there are some programs throughout the country that are called project-based programs where the vouchers actually sort of stay with a unit. So there could be a building that has multiple units and veterans can choose to move into that unit or move out of that unit. And when, when a veteran moves out the units and vacant, the vouchers open again, another veteran can move in. So HUD-BASH is a type of permanent supportive housing. Um, it's the largest permanent supportive housing program in the country. Um, and it's basically intended um, for veterans who have experienced homelessness and need additional support maintaining housing. Um, so it's, it's really for people who need help to, to stay in the housing, you know, to access the housing, um, who may need help with um, other 
you know, like medical conditions, um, often sort of in the most strictest sense, permanent supportive housing is for people with a history of homelessness and a disabling condition. The VA program is a little different because it's so large, and it also there's a you know, priority for um, newer veterans, for or veterans from the more recent conflicts, for families. And HUSAC is, is very effective at um, helping veterans to maintain housing stability. Basically, studies that have been done in permanent supportive housing programs over the years, and not just VA programs, have found about an 85 percent, um, the 85 percent of people who move into these programs are able to maintain their housing for a, for a year or more. Hmm. So HUSAC is right along those lines um, in terms of veterans being able to maintain housing stability. And then there's other, um, one other thing that I think is important to note is um, HUD-BASH takes a housing first approach to housing. So veterans are not required, um, if they have substance use issues or they have mental health issues or medical issues, they're not required to sort of, in quotes, fix those mm. issues before they move into housing. They don't have to be housing ready. The, um, underlying philosophy is that once someone gets into housing, that's a platform from which they can, you know, sort of live a, um, a healthier life, a fuller life. They can address their goals. So it's really, you know, intended for veterans to, you know, to sort of have this platform of housing stability and then be able to sort of ad address other issues um, with the support of the sort of the VA half of the equation. Right. So it sounds like uh, the HUD-BASH program integrates very well with the whole housing first uh, philosophy and movement. Yes. Uh, you mentioned uh, one-year outcomes as a sort of benchmark. What about longer term? And before we get into your specific study, just talking about HUD-BASH in general, what about longer term over three years, five years? What tends to be the scenario with these folks who, who do move into these units? Do they tend to stay there well beyond one year? Do they eventually move out of these HUD-VASH units into some type of mainstream housing in the community? I, you know, they do both. Um, so when we talk about mainstream housing, the, the HUD-VASH scattered site vouchers, which are the majority of the vouchers, it is mainstream housing. It's it's just a regular old apartment in the community. Okay. Um, it just happens to be subsidized. Uh, the rent is subsidized. Um, so I don't have right in front of me sort of longer-term outcomes. We did do a pretty extensive um, study about exits from HUD-VASH, mm. and we found that proportion of veterans who stay over time obviously decreases as the as the time goes by. And, and we found that veterans leave the programs for a lot of reasons. Some are really positive. Um, they get a job and their income increases, so they're no longer eligible for the voucher and they can afford their own rent. Mm. And they may be able to stay in that same apartment. They're just not receiving the voucher. They may reunite with family. But then, you know, there's also reasons why they may leave the program that aren't so great, um, sure. you know, um, there, there may be evictions, there may be, you know, that oh. are maybe incarcerated, just like any, just like anyone else, um, you know, entering or exiting a program. Sure. And I, sh I should ask a similar question about the housing first approach. In other words, not focusing on the HUD-VASH program, but when we look at the whole housing first approach, has that been supported by research? In other words, ha have there been studies showing that when we indeed do take a housing first approach that, that these uh, once homeless uh, men and women do in fact uh, 
have more success in, in recovering from uh, perhaps su substance use issues or, or uh, achieving some better degree of recovery with their mental health issues? Does the housing first approach in fact seem to lead to better outcomes than, than previous models? First approach has, has definitely been studied over I don't, maybe 20 years um, and lots of different programs and it's hard because all programs look a little different um, and there's actually a group um, at the CDC that's doing a, a really in-depth systematic review of all of this to answer exactly the question that you're asking. Mm. I think that consistently studies have found that housing tenure improves with Housing First. We found this in the HUD-BASH program that after um, the transition to housing first, there were better housing outcomes in terms of mental health outcomes, reintegration into the, to the community, substance use disorders, those sorts of outcomes. It's kind of mixed. Mm. In the VA, we have found some promising outcomes related to like accessing acute care, um, acute health care, like emergency departments. So sometimes um, when veterans have you know, permanent housing, but also supportive services, they're able to, you know, do more sort of preventive ambulatory care as opposed to accessing emergency departments. But I think the jury is maybe still out on the other types of outcomes. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it is a housing program, and the objective is for people, first and foremost, to not be homeless, and it's, it's good at doing that. Okay, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about the specific study that you led uh, with a group of folks uh, from VA and uh, some other institutions here. The title of the study was Veterans Assignment to Single Site versus Scattered Site Permanent Supportive Housing. It was in the American Journal of Ortho Psychiatry, uh, came out in January online. So the main focus here was looking at that question of w which veterans end up living through the HUD-VASH program in, in single site uh, mm -hmm. housing. In other words, one site where there are multiple veterans living through this program versus scattered site housing where the individuals are scattered throughout the community, one person here, one person there. They're not grouped together in a single mm -hmm. location. So before you get into your findings, I know as part of the study, you did a, a literature review, looked at what the, any past studies had found uh, comparing these two uh, models. So can you briefly summarize in a nutshell uh, what some of the advantages were that you saw in the literature to single site housing versus scattered site? Sure, um, and just uh, just to be clear, it, it's called either single site or project based, and I referred to it as project based housing okay. earlier in our conversation. So if I go back and forth, those mean the same thing, but I'll try to call it single site. Okay. Um, but I think some of the advantages um, to single site housing is. Um, that there's, you know, if you have a case manager who has, you know, he's working with 30 people and they're spread throughout a large city, um, that takes a lot of time because um, there's a there's a big focus on having home-based visits. Basically, I think you end up having a little more one-to-one um, -one interaction with services providers because they have more time because, you know, they're also just in this one building. There's, you know, in terms of, there may be a decrease in social isolation because you're living in a building where people who you may have similar interests with um, just by being veterans. Yeah. For example, on the other hand, 
you know, some research has found that it can be isolating in a different way because you're, you may not feel part of the mainstream community. Mm. These programs are really supposed to be just like permanent supportive housing, just like if you were in a scattered site unit, but just grouped together. So it shouldn't feel like an institution or, you know, it's supposed to be independent living. I think what we have found, um, and this isn't necessarily from the literature review, but just sometimes people with greater needs may do better there because there's, you know, typically, if not 24-7 staff present, at least definitely staff more present than would be in your own apartment. Right. So, I mean, I think there's a numbers of, number of pros and cons. Yeah, and as part of this study, you did focus groups with uh, uh, mm -hmm. professionals who provide services with VA at 10 of these single-site programs in, in 10 different cities. And I'm just curious what you heard from in those focus groups from these professionals. Did it basically mesh with what the literature had reported? Did, did you hear anything surprising that didn't seem to jibe with uh, what previous studies had, had found in terms of the potential benefits and downsides of single site? I mean, it was, it, what we heard was pretty consistent and we talked, we also spoke with veterans, but we don't, we didn't publish um, that data. Okay. But we, <clears throat> we heard a lot about um, that single site programs are really useful for um, veterans who may have a history of eviction or a history of a felony offense and just can't find anywhere else to rent a place. No other landlord mm -hmm. is willing to to rent them because they seem like a high risk sure. um, tenant. We also heard about really these are sort of pros. I think from the program perspective about um, single site housing, we heard that there are. We visited some really expensive communities, and that the only way you can, that you almost can't even use a housing choice voucher anywhere in the city. Um, so the only way you can really live in the city is in one of these programs. We also heard about the utility of these programs as sort of a stepping stone to something more independent. So, for example, if a veteran really wants an apartment in a certain neighborhood, but there are none at the moment that um, he or she can afford or that you know, are willing to take a housing choice voucher. They may move into, you know, the, um, the project or the single site program and then sort of get a different type of voucher later and move in to other types of housing. So it could be a, kind of like a stepping stone. Right to the type of housing that they would like. And then the final thing that we really heard about sort of the utility of these programs is for veterans who are aging or who may be sick and need and don't need to be in a nursing home but just need a little bit more support than they would get just living in a single I'm in a scattered site unit hmm. that these programs are really useful for for that demographic. So are these typically in uh, neighborhoods in cities that are considered, uh, you know, quiet, safe neighborhoods, uh, not typically neighborhoods where you would see homeless folks uh, living on the street, or do they tend to be in more sort of urban areas where you're in proximity to uh, some of the same areas where these folks might have been living homeless? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So the answer is both. Um, and, you know, we heard a lot about programs where you have the programs located, like, on Skid Row. Mm. It's very it, – it, there's interesting challenges that come with that. There's often – you know, there can be issues around um, drug dealing, prostitution, that kind of stuff. So the street sort of moves into the building to mm. some degree. There's also – we visited, you know, a program that was not quite suburban, but, you know, wasn't in the downtown, wasn't where all these resources were. So I think there's pros and cons of both, because if, it's, if someone's been living in, you know, let's say the core downtown area, and they're kind of moved out to the suburbs where they don't know anyone, mm. they're far from their doctor, you know. It could be a problem. That, it could be a problem, um, if, you know, if they don't drive. At the same time, you know, if you're wanting to, you know, get into permanent housing, work on, for example, like substance abuse issues, and your old drug dealer is, you know, down the block, that's also can be a problem, too. Right. So I think having the programs in different, you know, in sort of a nice, quiet neighborhood is useful. Having them downtown is useful. I think it just depends on what the the veterans preferences but I would say and we even in some neighborhoods you know they were in kind of um, transitioning neighborhoods where that was where the agency was able to get a building five or ten years ago and now you know it's sort of an up-and-coming area so there's just really a lot of variety interesting so the, and the, the buildings that you mentioned that are uh, constructed specifically to serve mm -hmm. this purpose are they built by uh, the by the federal by the HUD program, or are they built by the the, lo the local government? And how's that? Uh... That is really really complicated. And I'm all I can tell you is yeah. that a lot of people and a lot of time goes into there because it's you know you're dealing with your local public housing authority who gets the vouchers from the federal government. Um, you have to have some sort of developer. So it's kind of... Sort of a mix of public and private. Uh, exactly. Public. And a lot of places they'll try to get tax abatements. or So it's kind of a mix of public and private and also local, state, and federal funding. And there are, I mean, we've met some people who said, who basically that's become their job. So I want to get a little into the question of this social bonding that might occur uh, among these veterans, so let's say you have a property and there are, I don't know how many, typically five, 10, 20 uh, veterans living there in a single site, um, all with their vouchers all coming together to live under the same big roof, each in his own her own unit. So what, what have you learned about the type of bonding that goes on? Now, keeping in mind that these are folks who've had their share of challenges, they're coming into uh -huh. the situation with a history very often of substance use, uh, mental illness. Uh, so how does the social piece come together for them as they live together in this site? So we heard about this sort of anecdotally through staff, and veterans talked about it a little bit, but there there are some veterans who really want to be with other veterans. They just, you know, they feel like they, you know, have just an important common understanding. So for some people, that's really that's really a positive aspect of these single-site programs. But then we heard also from staff that, like, for example, we we discussed, you know, how often do you see the veterans who are in the program, how often do you meet with them, and they would give us examples about how veterans would 
sort of take care of each other. The younger veterans would kind of help out the older veterans. So, you know, I don't have necessarily specific examples of it, but just, and I think particularly in these mission-driven programs where it's, you know, a program for veterans, that's kind of the message that they're getting, you know, that, like, we're, we're here for you, we're here together. And does it seem to work out fine when it's a, a mixed population at a single site uh, in terms of the issues that they've been coping with? So let's say you have together uh, a few veterans who, who may have schizophrenia. Uh, there's people there who maybe are perfectly fine from a mental health standpoint uh, but have really struggled with uh, unemployment or what have you. Uh, does it matter that they all kind of come together, each with their own issues, uh, or is there any potential benefit, do you think, to uh, separating people based on the types of issues they're dealing with? I don't think that there's a benefit of separating people based on the issues that they deal with. And we, we did hear that there could be some particularly disruptive tenants. The one thing that we did hear about, and I mentioned it before, is, you know, if there's someone who is really hoping to, you know, has a history of substance use disorder, is really hoping to stay clean and sober, but there are other people actively using, which, although you may not be able allowed to use in your unit, you can use outside and you can come home because, you know, it's a housing first approach. Um, so it's not abstinent. You don't have to abstain from drugs. So that can be really problematic for some people. It can be really triggering if you're, you know, trying to stay clean and you can smell someone smoking crack next door. And that's kind of what we heard most frequently is sort of, you know, being an issue. So that could be one possible downside of the single-site model. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I'm curious about the, the way VA provides services at these locations. So uh, is there typically some common area where a VA staff member might set up shop and, you know, have a table or even a desk? Is that like a permanent fixture there? Would, would perhaps VA have a designated room within a building where they have the support staff? Or do the VA uh, professionals go into the individual apartments to meet with the uh, tenants? So it varies <laughs> is my answer for everything. Right. <laughs> um, so in, in the programs that are that were set up to be HUD-BASH single-site programs, mm. they typically have offices and meeting space in programs where, you know, let's say there's 100 units and there's 20 HUD-BASH units. There may be meeting space, but they can definitely meet in the veterans' unit. Home visits is kind of a big, big piece of housing first and permanent supportive housing anyway. That's reasonable. So, you know, in most programs that we went to, either there was space or if there wasn't, they, they just, you know, met with a veteran in his or her unit. Okay, but it's definitely, you didn't see any barriers to uh, care being delivered because of lack of uh, appropriate meeting spaces. No, I mean, I think there were barriers maybe to exactly the kind of care that they ideally in a perfect world would deliver <laughs> because yeah. of meeting space. But that's, you know, that's always the case. And, the, and then there's a tension between how many services do you bring into the building because it, it's supposed to be someone's home, right. not, not a, you know, a not clinic. a 
shelter or a clinic, exactly. So there's a little, little tension around that issue anyway. Okay. Now, there is something called domiciliary care, and uh, mm -hmm. well, that term maybe is not used as much anymore. Now there's something called, within VA, the mental health residential rehabilitation and treatment programs. And I'm curious about what the difference would be. Like, what, who would go into HUD-VASH and into some kind of supported housing, whether single-side or scattered-side, versus uh -huh. those who might go into these mental health uh, residential rehab and treatment programs? Mm-hmm. So these treatment programs are for that. They're for treatment. And permanent support housing and HUD-VASH, Housing First, is for housing. You can access treatment if you need it, and it needs to be made available to you, and you have choice about, you know, any treatment that you decide to access, but treatment's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to end homelessness. The other issue is that um, permanent supportive housing is permanent. So even if you're in one of these single-site buildings, you get this voucher, and as long as you're eligible for the voucher, you know, as long as you, you know, you meet your income eligibility, you continue to be a good neighbor, um, you can stay there. <clears throat> These other programs are time limited. So they're not, if you're homeless and you go into a domiciliary program or you're homeless and you go into a residential treatment program, you're still homeless. Right. When you go into HUD-VASH, you're housed. So there might be some overlap in terms of the population served, mm -hmm. but the, the, each program has its own specific goals and structure. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, and I think there's probably quite a bit of overlap. You know, I've met veterans or, or um, people who work at these programs who say, you know, a veteran may leave the program for a bit to go into one of these programs if they feel like they need intensive, more intensive treatment. I see. So, yeah, so there could be kind of a back and forth depending on what the veteran needs. Okay, but a success in HUD-VASH might be that uh, the veteran stays there and basically just ages in place, and that veteran could be living in that apartment building or that house for many years, uh, decades uh -huh. even, basically until he, uh, for the rest of his life in some cases, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And is there any research yet on the outcomes of uh Single site versus scattered um, permanent scattered site permanent housing. I know your study that was just published did not look yet at the outcomes. Is that something that's underway? Do you, are you planning to do a, a follow-up study that would actually get into uh, how the outcomes compare between the two models? We yeah. So um, we actually just finished. It came out last week, and I can send it to you. A research brief through the National Center on Homelessness among Veterans. Mm -hmm. And we, what we did is we matched the veterans who were in single site with veterans who were in scattered site programs using administrative data. We matched them based on sort of the chronicity of their health needs, their mental health, substance abuse. So to kind of like, you know, here are veterans who have a lot of needs. When they get into this program, what do their outcomes look like? And we actually found that veterans – there really were not very many differences in outcomes. Um, we found that veterans in the in the single site housing tended to more frequently leave the housing before they had been there for a year, which was not really surprising given that a lot of veterans use that housing as a stepping stone to sort of you know other options. 
and also that it's a higher need population. We also found that when they go into project into single site housing, um, their use of primary care increases, which we see is sort of a positive outcome. Right. So we just, you know, based on the data that we have, just looking at medical record data, we didn't we didn't see a lot of difference in outcomes. Granted, we're very limited. Um, and the outcomes we could look at, we basically just looked at housing tenure and services use. Right. Now, in terms of okay. tenure, if you said that the, the there's some trend toward leaving before the year uh, with single mm -hmm. site, correct? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I guess it depends where they're going to and why they're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we weren't able to access where they were going, but I kind of see it. I think on the whole, I mean, obviously it depends for each individual veteran. On the whole, I did that didn't strike me as necessarily a bad thing. And just given, you know, what I learned by talking to people, that it may be that veterans just, you know, found other options. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think we, like you said, I think we'd have to know where they went right. to really know. So perhaps some follow-up research could uh, dig down deeper and tease that out uh, for right. some reports. Okay, and Elizabeth, I want to thank you very much for having a conversation with us today about this very important issue of, of ending veteran homelessness and your group study on single site versus scattered site permanent supportive housing. So thanks for being here on Voices of VA Research. Yeah, well, thanks again for having me and um, thank you for your interest in, in this topic. You've been listening to Voices of VA Research. To learn more about VA Research, visit www.research.va.gov.